1: Right, what's going on, you guys? Yet another episode of the Temple of Hoop. Uh, this episode, this is the uh, celebrity edition. Uh, we got the, uh, you know, homie Nikias Duncan, one of, the, one of my favorite personal writers on the personal bloggers as far as the NBA goes. Nikias, what's going on? How you doing?
0: I'm doing much better after the introduction, man. How are you?
1: You know, I can't complain. Um, full disclosure, Nikias is a... Philadelphia Eagles fan, and he enjoyed Coach Carter, but we have opted to look over those things and allow this uh, to continue despite my better judgment. So,
0: uh, <laughs> better judgment. Wow, wow. I,
1: I still can't believe you like Coach Carter. Um, it, it's mind-boggling.
0: Like, I, I'm going to need the backstory on that because okay. obviously this, because a lot of my California friends hit me up on the same thing. I'm just like, I, clearly, I'm missing something with that.
1: Okay. Well, I just. It, it, it might as well have been Richmond, Virginia, because the accents they used it was just completely East Coast. That was the one thing. And the story was actually the story was way inaccurate. They played four games and he canceled the season. There was no such thing as Ty Crane. The movie, the movie was it happened like in the nineties, before LeBron was even on the scene. It was just a bunch of just concocted stuff. It was just very, very upsetting to 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 my to see my hometown represented that way.
0: Ah, uh, I see, I see. Okay. Well, that makes more sense. Like, yeah. It's like, man, the storytelling is good, you know, good <laughs> and stuff. Like, yeah. But, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah All
1: right, so uh, going right into this NBA stuff, um, I saw you did – you wrote – you did – actually wrote two interesting articles about uh, the Lakers-Nuggets. You wrote one from the Nuggets' point of view, what they have to do to win, what the Lakers should do from a scouting report. I thought they were both very interesting. Just what was your takeaway from game one and just what you saw as a – I'm a Laker fan, so just your non-biased take of what you saw from game one.
0: Uh, I would say I was more – I mean, it's, it's, it was definitely clear that the Lakers game planed in for quite a bit. Um, the first thing I noticed in the first quarter, then was trying to go to some pick and rolls with Jamal Murray. Um, the Binks were playing a little higher up than Murray saw in the series against the Clippers. Um, that airspace just kind of wasn't there. He couldn't flow into those pull-ups. Uh, the first pull-up three Jamal Murray took was that – basically that light clock isolation over Anthony Davis at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, okay. It was pretty interesting that you know Jamal Murray has taken – after he's – I think, top three in pull-up threes in terms of attempts in the postseason. So the fact that he didn't get his first one to the end of the first, I think that was huge. Um, Kind of like what I wrote about the Lakers (laughs) definitely went with more single coverage with Nikola Jokic. Didn't want to send help. um, That kind of took away those windows for cutters. Because that's where Jokic is at his best. When you send two guys at him, you know, back line's going to cut. He's able to pick those out get some easy buckets. They kind of made him finish over length. JaVale McGee did a good job. White Howard eventually did a good job. Um, Anthony Davis on a few possessions that he got him. He looked good out there. So Denver really couldn't establish a flow. And then once you get into the refereeing, that kind of made it harder for Denver to get into a flow. <laughs> but I think the first thing is that LA's game plan was sound. Okay. Um, there was nothing easy for Denver.
1: Yeah. Okay. Just piggyback the, the refereeing was. I hate going into this, but the refereeing it, it was a, a big topic. What was your Take on it. My initial take on it was there were a couple suspect calls. On the other end, the Lakers were the more aggressive team. So you tend those tend to get rewarded, especially in the playoffs. So what was your take on the referee?
0: Uh I would say, I mean, I'm a neutral observer. I would say there was a little bit of an LA slant. Um some of the files that Nikola Jokic picked up in particular were pretty questionable to say the least. <laughs> but I do agree with you. The Lakers were the more aggressive team. Um, Again, they pretty much shut out Denver. They couldn't really get downhill the way that they wanted to. So on top of Denver being more of a jump shooting team or just getting more of those free looks when they're getting shots off of cuts, um, Denver also couldn't really force the issue the way the Lakers were. Um, Denver had no answer for LeBron when he got downhill, especially in transition. Anthony Davis kind of had his way there. So it's not a shock that the Lakers were rewarded with more free throws. The way it happened sometimes <laughs> <laughs> was kind of what made it a little questionable. But overall, I mean, the Lakers were the more aggressive team. They kind of took it to Denver on both ends of the court, so I don't think um, there should be too many complaints on that front. Right, right.
1: So just stay, staying with this uh, matchup real quick, um, I'm of the mind that the last series it was more bad Clippers, especially when I when I went and rewatched some of the games. Um, that being said. Uh, I said before the series, I didn't see, I, I saw Denver maybe winning one game. Uh, I just don't think the Lakers would have the mental lapses that the Clippers had over the course of the series. Do you see a way, just what is the way, you know, if you can just tap into your article a little bit, what is the way that Denver can make this series competitive? Because it really doesn't look like the matchups are in their favor at all to really extend this in any way. So what is your, what is your just, you know, quick recipe for them to keep this competitive?
0: I think it's going to start on the defensive end for Denver. They're going to have to really crowd the paint they're going to have to make LeBron a jump shooter. All of that is easier said than done. Like, he's <laughs> right. got part on LeBron since he got in the league, but, I mean, he's he's that good, he's that athletic, he's that smart. He kind of gets to his spots whenever. But they're really going to have to kind of sell out on Brow and LeBron in the paint. Again, whenever Anthony Davis does get so post-up, um, shade him to his left hand, make him uncomfortable. Um, there was an and one, I believe, in the third quarter that Anthony Davis got over um, Jeremy Grant where you kind of saw him shading to that left hand. But Anthony Davis goes left, goes baseline and then fl- gets a floater with his right hand. Just a tough look, and he made it. That's just Anthony Davis being good. But I feel like the process was good there, you know, force him into uncomfortable shots. Again, if LeBron's running that high pick and roll slip under those picks, make him beat you with the jumper. Um, kind of, you know, crowd the paint, make those role players make shots. If they do miss, you get some long rebounds, do some sele- some selective running. Try to get some easy looks there when the LA's defense isn't set because they have so much length and athleticism on that side of the floor. If they do get set. Then that just kind of junks up what Denver wants to do in the half court. So I, I think it's going to start with defense, crowd the paint, uh, run when you can, and just kind of attack while LA is off balance.
1: All right, that was about an essay's worth of material, Denver. So <laughs> I don't know if they can get it done. I just I, I didn't like I said, man. I, I gave Denver credit for the last series, but that to me that was just an epic gag job by the Clippers. It just winning by that many that many points in games five, six, and seven, double digit leads. It's like I give Denver credit, but just looking at the talent difference in both teams, it's hard for me to just say that. Man, I just can't get over what I saw. That was funny. Moving over to the Eastern Conference, now uh, you have been a huge uh, Miami Heat guy. These uh, going into the playoffs and just as they've gone along, you did predict the Milwaukee upset to the point where it wasn't really an upset when it happened. <laughs> Almost everything you said happened to the T about what how they had to defend and keep Giannis out the game and make other guys beat them. Um, what did you see before that made Miami seem kind of special to you? They're ten and one in the playoffs. Uh, come back, they beat teams big. They have come back from deficits. They just seem tailor made for these type of this type of environment. Just uh, what do you see from uh, Miami makes them special?
0: I think the big thing, as cliche as it is, is the mentality for Miami. Like none of those dudes are scared. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Butler isn't scared of anybody. Bam out of bounds isn't scared of anybody. And Bam's at the point to where he's kind of offended when certain players guard him, <laughs> which is a big, <laughs> which is a big move for him. Um, uh, Tyler Hero is much probably get. You know he isn't scared at the moment at all. Um, even in the, even in the one loss in Miami, had that overtime loss to Milwaukee. He played awful through three and a half quarters in that game, and then hit three big threes late in the fourth quarter and in the overtime to kind of keep Miami in it. Like he's very much a next shot, next play guy. And that's huge for a rookie in a playoff setting. He's only going to get more confident from there, which doesn't seem possible. But it starts <laughs> with the collective mentality. They're all tough. They all play hard. They're all smart. Um, as you mentioned, they've come back from quite a few deficits over the, over this postseason. Um, if they do go down, they just kind of keep plugging away at it. And they make their runs because of the shot making that they do have on the perimeter. Um, Tyler Hero again can knock down shots. Jimmy Butler is tapping into the jumpers that he's missed all season long. He's knocking those down at times. Time Jay Crowder, defense. when did he
1: become a sniper?
0: <laughs> Jay Crowder has been a 40 percent three point shooter right. since, <laughs> since he's been in Miami, which is absurd. We just like I try not to be too pessimistic, but like I've just been kind of waiting on the regression to hit <laughs> since he's been in Miami. It's like the first couple weeks, you know, before the season shut down, I was like oh, okay. Hot start, we've seen this before. You know, he had that 37% year in Boston or whatever. Well, okay, we've seen this before. He's going to drop at some point. He um, didn't. Season shut down. They come back. He's still firing. Um, through the Milwaukee series, he was shooting something like 43% on 10 and a half attempts. So it's like you can't even say it's just small volume. Like, he's, it, it's just been an absurd run for him. And giving Miami another switchable body on the other end, that's helped right. him in all the series that they've had. You know, he spent some time on Kimball Walker. He spent some time with Jason Tatum. He spent some time with Jalen Brown. When Miami's kind of switching all over the place or going to that two-three matchup zone, he kind of feels a lot of roles there. On top of the threes he's hitting on the other end, so he's been huge. Miami is just a tough, versatile, skilled group.
1: And I think, um, and I think Spolstra, I think you know, I, I've, I've studied a long time. I think he's the most underrated coach in the NBA. A lot of the times, it's guys who coach uh, LeBron. It's just not really LeBron's fault. Just the way it's viewed, they what they bring to the table kind of looks uh, gets overlooked. And I think Spo is just – I think Spo's is in the conversation for the best coach in the league. So that they have that also.
0: Yeah, Spo has been – He's. this is his best coaching job, honestly. I like get. you said, he never did really get the credit he deserved for what he did in the big three era, um, the way he kind of inverted – kind of inverted things on both ends of the floor, really. Right. Um, aggressive defensive style. Power for LeBron.
1: Power for LeBron. Yeah.
0: Putting LeBron to <laughs> the floor, putting him in the post. Uh, those inverted pick and rolls he used to run there late clock. Like Spo has been doing this for a very long time. And it's nice to see – it's nice and it's funny to see that he's finally getting his flowers now that, like, right. Milwaukee got knocked out in the second round. i like, hmm, I wonder what's going on in Miami. <laughs> kind of what he's been doing all along. So it's nice to see him finally getting his flowers on that front.
1: Right. So just moving on, you know, they're in the series with Boston. Um, I didn't pick a winner of the series. I just said I think it's going seven. That being said, when a team loses in the fashion that Boston did, where you just up big early and then – uh, kind of imploded. Uh, I kept waiting for them to adjust to that zone that Miami went to in the third quarter, and they just mm-hmm. could not. Just uh, Tatum, Brown, Kemba couldn't get going through the zone. Uh, I thought it was going to be Miami's kind of structure versus Boston's uh, creative shot making with the guys the guys they have in Tatum, Kemba, even Jalen Brown when he gets going. Um, I think what Boston's missing is somebody who can just consistently play. Make more of a scoring guard. Tatum's a scorer. Jb's a scorer, a slasher. They really missed a playmaker in that zone. What do you think Boston's adjustments have to be to uh,
0: win tonight, to not go in a 3-0 hole
1: and, and get back in the series in general?
0: Um, I think it's three things. Two kind of tactically and one is mentality. I think the first thing, they have to kind of calm down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's very like, wild. Again, in the, in the It terms. would be – there would be a different feel to this series if Miami just kind of punched them in the mouth for two straight games. But it hasn't been. They've gotten double-digit leads in both games. They've had those going into the fourth quarter. And Miami has just kind of fought back. And I don't want to say upset them, but, I mean, they've kind of stole two wins. So Boston right. has played well enough to win games. They just kind of have to finish the job, so they don't need to overreact. Um, the other two things, I would say they need to play a little bit faster, particularly in the second half. They don't necessarily have to be – I mean, they don't have to be like the Bucks, led the league in pace or whatever. So they don't, have to, uh, they don't have to be Milwaukee where they led the league in pace or whatever. But they do need to get into their sets a little bit quicker. Um, because I think that's what's happening with Miami, particularly when they go to those zone looks. They kind of junk up what Boston wants to do. And because right. they're taking six or seven seconds just to walk it up half court, once they go into their first action and it's messed up because of the zone, now you're looking at seven, eight seconds left on the shot clock, and you have to create from there. And yeah. Boston does have shot creators to make that happen. But the way that Miami's running the zone and kind of how they're playing the back end of that zone so high up is just messing up what what Boston wants to do. Um, there was a slight adjustment in the second half where they had like, Marcus Smart coming like through the middle of the zone, kind of hanging around the nail, having him making plays there. But he hasn't been super decisive either. So Miami's still been able to kind of junk up what Boston wants to do in the half court, and Miami wants the game to be slow anyway. So I think if Boston can speed up a little bit, and if Hay- Gordon Hayward does play today, I think that's going to give Boston the extra shooting, the playmaking boost that they need. To kind of help distort Miami's own. Um, I think that's really all they need. They're pretty close right now.
1: Yes, so I said the games were close. They had a two double digit leads, like you said, just down the stretch. I think it's a questionable shot selection, and then it's on time we turn over, too. So like all that matters on the playoffs. So, um, so, based on everything that's happened, you know, Vegas, Twitter, TV, the Lakers are the runaway favorite at this point, looking at everything. Um, in your opinion, of the three teams that are left outside the Lakers. They're playing Denver now. They will, uh, if they win, they will play the winner of Miami-Boston. Of those three teams, who do you think has the best shot at knocking off the Lakers?
0: Uh, Best shot? I would probably say it's Boston.
1: That's what my thinking was, too.
0: Just because they have so many wings. They have so many shot creators there. And, I mean, the Lakers' defense is fantastic. They're long. They're rangy. But Boston has enough shot creators to where they can create. If they're forced into isolation situations, they can push the pace when they want to. Um, as great as the Lakers' defense is, the one thing they have struggled with are speedy, kind of shifty point guards. Um, you know They've done a great job of taking Damian Lillard out. Um, they've done similar, issue, similar things with Jamal Murray last night. But Kimball Walker will be a different deal because he is a guy that can kind of pull up and pick and roll but also, you can't key in on him the way that L.A. was able to key in on Damian Lillard or key in on Jamal Murray because Boston has so many other weapons. But so I yeah. think just having three or four guys on a given possession that can get to the basket and create a good look, I think that gives the Lakers a little bit of trouble. Um, the Lakers would probably still be favored in that series, but I think Boston has that kind of talent to push them.
1: Yeah, that's what I, I – I, I'm 100% agreement with that. I, was, I don't know if Miami can quite score enough, and if you – play half court with the Lakers just with that size and the way they play defense it's just tough to consistently score against them, which I think will be Miami's issue. Uh, Boston, like you said, just the the, the wings. And if you look at the regular season matchups, Boston blew them out once and then the game in LA, the Lakers squeaked by and Kimba didn't even play. So I'm in 100% agreement there. Boston is definitely the, the tougher matchup, but it's just weird how, Basketball styles make fights like a boxing match. Yeah. You know Miami's giving Boston a lot right now, but you think Boston matches up better with the with the Lakers.
0: You know Denver
1: takes the Clippers to seven, knocks them out, and looks like they're going to be swinging swinging uphill, <laughs> fighting uphill against the Lakers just off that first game. Um, it was just me, man. The Lakers they t- they take that fill out game usually with the with Houston and then Portland in the first round, but they just came out ready to play against Denver like you said, well scouted, so we'll see what happens man, but I agree, Boston's the toughest matchup for the Lakers remaining I shifted a little bit to the the off the court stuff real quick, just after the game yesterday um, LeBron sparked a lot of uh, discussion on on TV and the the timeline with his uh, breakdown of what the NBA uh, awards voting process was, he wasn't so much uh, upset with the results he did say he was disappointed, he only got 16 votes for MVP, but he went on to um kind of rant about how he how he thinks the process needs to change or, or about that. Where are you with that with as far as voting? My thing with media voting is it is what it is. I just I don't like the financial incentives or repercussions tied to it and I wouldn't complain as much, but you know that does factor in, so that's why a lot of the pushback happens. So where are you with what he said and how you feel about, you know, media voting in the sport
0: I think there is a place for media voting if for only reason in theory anyway. there's a way I mean the media gives you an unbiased look since there aren't going to be ties at least for like the national guys like I'm thinking of the Zach Lowe's the Matt Moore's Uh Chris Herring's guys like that they don't work for teams they don't have special relationships with a certain team they just watch a bunch of basketball analyze a bunch of basketball and you can get the best decisions there as opposed to you know a beat writer getting they may watch other teams too but they're clearly watching one closer than the other so I think in general there is a place for media voting I think the panel needs to get a lot smaller, <laughs> and I think that's where I think that's where the big adjustment needs to get. I feel like get you a get a panel an odd number panel, obviously, but like get you a panel of like twenty one or something. They don't we don't need a hundred votes. <laughs> we don't we don't need a hundred votes. Get you a panel of twenty one, twenty five, thirty one, fifteen. If you want to go smaller than that, get a small panel of unbiased eyes that watch the sport, that analyze the sport, that have an understanding of what the sport looks like now. Um, we don't need people that, uh that kind of go on NBA.com and sort defensive rebounding, defensive <laughs> rebounds per game, and then <laughs> dole out to all defensive teams that way because, de- re- you know, defense <coughs> rebounding is important. Apparently, uh, we, we don't need people like that to have ballots at this point, especially since there's money tied to some of these guys getting these awards. Right, that's
1: what my issue is.
0: So that that's kind of my big thing. Like, I'm fine with media having it. It's just we have to be very, 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 very strict on which media people get that privilege because it is a privilege.
1: Yeah, and even that is slippery slope because then you got to figure out who decides which media it's going to be. So, yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's all very tough. There's no, like, I think there's no, like, Easy way to to get to the to to where it, it should be, but I just like I, I saw guys with votes. I think some guy, the guy, I thought it was a joke at first. The guy who gave Andre Drummond defensive player of the year vote. Yeah,
0: I, that's I didn't what know. What I was referencing. I yeah. didn't know he really
1: had a vote. I thought I really thought it was a troll. But that guy has a vote. And it's like, you know, <laughs>
0: yeah, like Drummond got a vote. His all defensive team had uh, Russell Westbrook on it. Luke yeah, John it's like, Was on it. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Yes, yeah, so I think I just do doing
1: that. a disservice. Um, my personal feeling about the MVP was uh, it wasn't a route for me. Um, I did have Giannis. Uh, LeBron had a, a, a more of a, a little bit more of an on-court case than, than people let on, but I think pretty comfortably I was okay with Giannis. My issue, I thought Anthony Davis was Defensive Player of the Year. I, I really believe that. I think Giannis was more a, a, of a roamer, free safety type. AD had caused a lot more havoc um, in the paint and on the ball, being a switchable on guys. So that's where it, it kind of. Broke the tie for me. It was close though. Um, just uh, what did you think with the with the MVP? It would be LeBron only getting sixteen votes. Where are you with that?
0: Uh, I probably go the other way than you. I I understand LeBron's case. LeBron had a strong MVP MVP case in a vacuum. I just feel like Giannis's case was pretty airtight with what he did on both ends of the floor. Okay, like, just historic on the offensive end. Um. Milwaukee had the best defense in the NBA by far, and it was even stingier in the minutes that he was on the court. Mm. And then even when you bring in the fact that Brook Lopez is as great as he was, like the difference between one of those guys being on the court is still favored Giannis quite a bit.
1: So okay. Giannis was okay.
0: still the guy that kind of drove that defense, even with the other great defenders on that team. So I think – I don't want to say it should have been unanimous. <laughs> I feel like it should have been closer to unanimous. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think he had just that dominant of a regular season. And I think a lot of the outcry is people kinda not realizing or just flat out ignoring that this is a regular season award. Right.
1: I, I ignore those people. It it's clearly says in the award the best the best most viable regular season player. Uh that's what a lot of the out the the pushback came from. Um I think what what turned me off in general was a lot of the people who What turned off a lot of voters, I think, or a lot of people who pay attention is they were uh, people who were in the LeBron MVP camp. The primary reasons were age 35, year 17, Mm -hmm. he had to navigate Kobe's passing. And I was like, even for for Laker fans who were fans of the team like myself before LeBron came on, that was really a turnoff. Like, you don't have to use that stuff to make that case for MVP. I think – Kobe's draw was big enough where the whole league felt felt that felt that throughout yeah. the league. His 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 just he was that magnetic where it his, just his uh hit, hit all of basketball. So mm-hmm. that's where I was with it. But I'm I'm, I'm not fighting any of the awards. The um, defense player of the year though, I, I think AD. But like you said, there was enough case where there shouldn't be that much of a pushback for Giannis to get it. So. Um, yeah, man, that's good. So before we get off, Nakai, just um, talk a little bit about what you were uh, – that move you just made to – what was it called, Basketball Express? What was it? I'm sorry.
0: Basketball News.
1: Basketball News. So just talk about where what you're doing there and where people can find you because I, I think that was real big, a real big move.
0: Appreciate it, man. Uh this is my first full-time riding spot. Uh, I've been pushing for that for quite a bit. So pretty ex- excited for what I'm doing at Basketball News. Um, I am doing mostly – I'm still working mostly on the film side. Uh, a lot of breakdowns. That's not to do what I do. i trying to do so for the NBA and the WNBA. Um, I do have a piece out where I got to talk to uh, Dallas Wings star, Enrique Um She not only led the WNBA in scoring, she set the WNBA record for points per game of the season. Um, just kind of talking to her about what she sees in pick and roll, things of that nature. But mm-hmm. I want to do more stuff like that. I want to talk actual basketball. Um, I try to get away from the narrative stuff. I mean, there's a place for it. But, um, the lane I've found is trying to understand what teams are doing, what players are doing, why they're doing it, and being able to understand that and then help other people understand that. I feel like that's kind of found my lane in that front. kind of it's easy to get into that like coach jargon or whatever just to make yourself sound smart, but ultimately <laughs> if you can't te- you know say if people don't understand what you're talking about, then what does it really matter? So I want to kind of be a bridge to that kind of thing to where I'm helping make the basketball community smarter, but in a way that, you know, I can reach a bunch of people. So that's what I'm trying to do at Basketball News.
1: That is awesome. I think that's the best way to approach, especially if you have a, you know, one of people with a higher understanding or who studies it more. Um, it's not so much the information, is more so how you're able to break that down to get everybody else along and understand what you're talking about. I think that is a step that is highly overlooked when it comes to, you know, basketball talk as far as bridging the gap between uh hardcore film guys and the casual fans where the NBA is kinda having a little bit of trouble uh ratings wise these days. I think that is a big issue and I think and I commend you. Like I am a big fan of your work. Um I only ran into you uh recently in the last couple months but just reading everything you put out. Um I'm a fan. I said it uh, from the jump, I think you're gonna work for an NBA team <laughs> eventually. Just reading the articles and how you're able to just uh assess what's going on and, and break it down so clearly. Uh, I, I think that's where you're headed eventually, and I wish you nothing but the best, man. Seriously. That,
0: man.
1: All right, you guys follow Nikias NBA on Twitter. Um, his work is all up. He has uh, articles about each series up right now. They're, they're very interesting. Uh, he When he's not destroying me on the 2K Tour, PGA Tour, <laughs> PGA tour 2K, He's uh, breaking down some film. We're just dropping some nice basketball tidbits on the timeline. Give him a follow. Check him out. He's definitely one of the best going right now. Um, subscribe. Follow the podcast, Temple of a Hoop. I appreciate you guys tapping in. And we are out of here. Stay safe. Be nice. <laughs>